3: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sonic Society, the world's largest showcase of modern audio drama. Today is episode 650, and I'm your host and the CEO of the Mutual Audio Network, Jack Ward, here with my co host and the voice I wish. Was my voice coming out sounding David Alt?
4: <laughs> Hello, Jack. Yeah, I, I don't think we can have two of us with the same voice. I would get very, very confused. <laughs> you have
3: to do an entire episode that way now. <laughs> Jack has found the Arnie punch card to create the voicelator four thousand yes. where I sound like David Alt. <laughs> <Yes.
4: laughs> the voice great. ultulator, yes. yes. Oh, You're dear. doing well, happen. I hope. Yes, all very well, thank you. We've had had some rain and now it's uh, nice and sunny again, so feeling like it's getting into summer
3: yes it's getting closer and closer for Sonic Summer's Talk Theatre oh yes indeed fun. yes <laughs> what can we look forward to Jack very quickly wow well, very quickly there are X minus one episodes that are coming in mm-hmm. there's a variety of episodes those are both from the Amigos Collective and Electric Vicuna there's a trilogy that we'll be showing one night from John Bell and Bells in the Batfree we're going to be having four different features from Nerado Radio Wow. I know that we also have another episode our finale for example for the season 15 uh, the Sonic Society comes from Lion's Den Theater mm-hmm. and I don't want to say what that is but they also have something to bring to us for Sonic summer stock playhouse so oh. there are benefits of living in Halifax it's so much easier <laughs> to get to the playhouse it's yes, <laughs> you know, very you true you don't have to pack up and go across the country for that reason mm-hmm. so yep. now unfortunately for us and but fortunately for all of us we have a packed show we can't talk too much more beyond mm. that time frame and today we've got a Filthy 47 parts 1 and 2 from Richard Raymond and you know Both parts begin right here on the Sonic Society
2: Filthy Forty Seven, an audio serial in four parts. Part 1 London, 1947
5: <sighs> So much for Mr Churchill's sunlit uplands. Hitch up your skirt a little higher. All that, a skirt? It's not fit for a scarecrow. Make do and mend. When will it ever end? Oh, do stop fidgeting, Joyce, can't you? Well, you try lounging seductively and thrusting out your chest for hours at a stretch in a drafty little attic flat in Cricklewood. Or Montmartre for that matter. No picnic posing for paintings, Kay, believe me. There. Now you can get up. We'll finish it off tomorrow... Oh, Oh. hello. Do I detect an increase in the bosom-to-blouse ratio? Commerce. Survival of the sauciest. word. That should have red-blooded readers grabbing it off the book racks at Paddington. (laughs) Fingers off my pistol, sister. This Peter Westfellow certainly goes for the groin with his titles, doesn't he? It's not the last of the bread, I hope. Afraid so. Sickeningly stale, like biting into bakelite. Okay, quick, come and look. Chap's been chucked out of that pub over the road and they're giving him the devil of a pasting. I,
6: oh, are you down there!
5: call the police you're forgetting we don't have a telephone Joyce where are you going you don't know him from Adam could be a desperately ugly customer who thoroughly deserves a thrashing I'd hate to be as cynical as you came on better get these wet clothes off him or he'll wake up with pneumonia then we can bung him on the chaise longue Ah. So are you going to lend your assistance, Kay? Rather than lurking around, looking like a dowager with a dysentery. Ah. Oh, I say, something of a stallion, isn't he? Bet you don't get many of those to the pound. Must you be so coarse? Oh, lamb, he's covered in bruises, tickled <laughs> in alcohol. Would you be oh. so callous if he were your brother? Yes, I would. My brother's a beast. What ah. turned you so sour on men, men?
2: Here is the BBC News, and this is Danvers Nettlefold reading it. The floods, widespread and severe, which have made 1947 a year for the record books,
0: finally appear to show signs of abating... Say, Trapsley, what's keeping the goddamn crow? That's our man now,
7: I think you'll find. If you care to come over here by the French windows, Mr. Murchison, you should be able to see the parachute descend. Thank goodness the rain has stopped. Yes, there he is. That's right, men. Use the torches. Shine them upwards. Guide him down. Center of the courtyard.
0: All these footmen of yours, you always have them rigged out in that crazy livery?
7: Most certainly. As long as there's been a Thrapsley at Thrapsley Hall... I mean, allowed to call decorum to lapse, and before one knows it, the slippery slope to anarchy beckons. Ah, here he comes! Red in the Red sky, shepherd's pie. pie! Mr. P. Wendell Murchison, late of the U.S. State Department, Hauptsturmfuhrer Walter Kessler. How was your journey, Herr Hauptsturmfuhrer?
1: I have no cause for complaint, Sir Reginald. East Anglia is hardly the Eastern Front.
0: Hand over that formula, and you and your Nazi pals have your amnesty. Gonna take more than just atom bombs to rid the world of that ugly red rash. Russia? China? India next. The way things are looking. Wouldn't
7: stand for any of that up the workers cods up here in Thrapsley. Socialized medicine. Health care from cradle to grave for the great ambushed. Not only does it go against the natural order. Who'll end up footing the bill? Our descendants, that's who. They'll curse us all, and quite rightly too, if we don't prevent those Lilliputian rights from undermining the vigour of the race with all this namby-pamby-nennying.
0: you said it, my friend. Medicine's a business, same as any other business. And government has no business butting in. Here, here! Ask any quack worth his liver salts! But one thing puzzles me, Hessler. Kessler. Why do you Krauts never use that idio whats
7: theme.
1: A nerve agent formulated to target degenerate brains vulnerable to Bolshevist influence. In 1936, Professors Volbrecht and Paul theorized that political leanings have a
0: physiological basis. Sure, sure, we get the picture. A gas with God on its side. (laughs) Yes, quite.
1: Only in the very last days of the war was the weapon perfected.
7: But the factory was bombed and the research team killed before idiothing could be produced in any quantity. And the formula lost. Oh, so it was believed. Rather misguided fellow, that Führer of yours, Kessler. Spot on, though, in identifying the true enemy as Judeo-Bolshevism.
0: No use tackling the one without what the other. What you're saying is, Trapsley old boy, these wine-ribs and Finkelsteins are bushwhacking you limes in Palestine. We're
7: well aware of plots to assassinate members of His Majesty's government... In fact, you'll read about the latest in the papers once it's been, um, uh, successfully carried out.
1: An admirable plan, Sir Reginald. Permit the Zionists to eliminate your socialist cabinet and bring down condemnation upon themselves.
7: Then it's merely a matter of putting Winston back in Downing Street and using Idiothene to settle the Soviet act.
0: And the- Churchill is still in the dark about this?
7: As yet, but Winston's long been advocating a tougher line against Russia. Faced with a fait accompli,
0: he'll seize the day, no doubt. All fine and dandy, but how do we know this anti commie gas is the real McCoy? Well, no. Heinie,
1: Please, my name is Kessler. As a matter of fact, Herr Murchison, I came prepared for your scepticism. I uh, understand that, like your President Truman, you are from Missouri, known as the Show-Me-State? Darn right, mister. This small canister contains a tile sample recovered from the ruins. When I remove the stopper...
7: S- 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 steady on, Kessler. God. <coughs> <coughs> it. <coughs>
1: what have we, any of us, to fear? <sighs> Observe. Our political convictions render us immune.
7: (coughs) Here, sir, have some of this excellent cognac. It's guaranteed to calm the nerves. Kessler, that was rather naughty of you. (laughs) But at least all three of us can be proud to have emerged with flying colors.
8: Dinner will be served directly, Reggie. Ah,
7: thank you, Muriel.
1: Oh, and if you would please forgive my small joke. The canister is in fact my inhaler. I suffer from asthma.
7: (laughs) Well, by Jove,
0: you're a character, Kessler. I'll grant you that. No crazy krauts gonna make a monkey out of me.
7: Please, Mr. Murchison, put away that derringer. Bump off Herr Kessler, and we shan't get our idiot
0: Well, tell this wiseacre war criminal to quit needling me. Sir Reginald, please inform Herr
1: Murchison that my name is Kessler. Not Hessler, not Heine, not Kraut, and not Fritz.
0: Kessler. Whatever. Kessler. Go win yourself a war, bub. That's when you get to pick the names. Until then, you'll be Heine. And like it. Gentlemen, please. When we fight among ourselves...
7: We play straight into the hands of Marshal Stalin!
9: Oh, my
5: head! Take it easy, chum. You're in safe hands. Look here! You can't stay! Kate! Stop it! Ignore her. There's room at the inn. Oh, and I'm Joyce, and you're welcome to spend the night just where you are.
9: Much obliged.
5: Wouldn't send a dog out in this filthy weather.
9: Atrocious.
5: Yes, there's hardly been any left. I'm talking about that
9: abomination over there on the easel. Fingers off my pistol, sister. Scarcely Somerset Morn.
5: I beg your pardon. Paperback thriller covers may not be the highest form of visual art, but they're my bread and butter. He's known in the trade as something of a dab hand.
9: And deservedly so. What about all this West fellow has going for him? Couldn't write a note to the milkman.
5: I don't know. I'd say he has a certain penchant for the lurid. Oh, fiddlesticks. Never mind little Miss Highbrow. Many's the night I've cuddled up with a Peter West. Hasn't disappointed me yet.
9: Well, I dare say his cover art as a model account for most of his sales.
5: Perhaps if he were here to defend himself, you wouldn't be quite so free with your opinions, Mr...
9: West. Peter West. Many thanks, my good Samaritans. But to be perfectly frank, I'm not worth the trouble.
5: I don't mind a reasonable amount of trouble.
9: Well, I hope you don't live to regret it. Peter West is a lost cause.
5: Peter West is a bona fide war hero. Breathtakingly audacious prison camp escape. umpteen doodlebugs shot out of the sky.
9: Oh, I'll never believe a book jacket. Most of those plaudits belong to a pal of mine named Flight Sergeant Byron Bailey.
5: That boxer chappie from Jamaica. Daily Mirror said those filthy Nazi goons made him take on their reigning champ in Stahlag Luft. Bailey knocked him into the middle of next week and nearly got himself shot for it. Would have cut the article out and kept it if it hadn't been all greasy from wrapping my chips. So where is the flight sergeant now? Survived the war, I do hope.
9: Well, Byron, really I can't tell you. Like to think he made his way back to the West Indies. Put that Oxford degree to good use. Settled down. Found the love of a good woman.
5: So, let me guess, there you were, enjoying a quiet drink in the pub when some damn fool disparaged your pal. You sprang to his defence but found yourself outnumbered.
9: Sorry to disappoint you, old girl, but I propositioned another fellow's lady friend. Deserved all I got.
5: I'll assume you're still inebriated. And what are you smirking about, Miss Marnham?
7: More cognac, Herr Kessler. The regent. The other guest,
1: the young woman. Another American?
7: Miss Loretta Duquesne. Murchison brought her along. Rather fetching, little filly. What? But she can be trusted. Sadly, expedience dictates that we indulge our American friends, grant them a certain latitude. Fact is, wars left them with the whip hand. In any case... Mr. Kane appears to show no more interest in politics than does the average household cat. I say, Harold, time to whip the dust sheet off the um, uh, uh, apparatus. Yes, sir. Capital fellow, been with me years. Butler dawdled off to the great mansion in the sky last Wednesday fortnight. Uh, thinking of giving Harold the job. Might I have your attention, everyone? Say, Lady Muriel, ain't that a television?
8: Indeed it is, Miss Duquesne.
0: In the States, we got bigger screens. And pretty soon now, we're going to have color, coast to coast.
8: How perfectly wonderful for you.
7: And that other gizmo, that's a gramophone? Um, yes, uh, with certain modifications. Now... Harold, if you'd be so kind as to place the disc on the turntable and lower the needle.
2: Welcome to BBC Television. And now it's time for
7: our weekly visit to the Café Continental. Television pictures on a gramophone disc? Recorded last week from the BBC. Courtesy of our backroom boys during the war. Systems (laughs) developed for espionage purposes. Well,
3: ain't that something, Wendy?
7: Quit calling me Wendy.
10: Greetings, Madame and Monsieur. Your table has been reserved, as always, and we are honored to be appearing on your television screens. As our first guest tonight, I proudly present the popular comedian, Mr. Jehoshaphat Jenks, and that melodious musical trio from Distant Chores, the Dinky Domes.
2: How do folks? Jenks is the name, Jolly is the game. Now before we tickle your musical fancy, might I just remind you lovely lot out there that yours truly and these three stunning strummers, these pulchritudinous pluckers, otherwise known as the Dinky Dons, will feature amongst the star-studded lineup entertaining Mr Ratley and members of his cabinet at the Cheer Em Up Charity Gala on the Thames in two weeks' time. And I'm sure anybody well enough ill to afford one of these wonderful magic boxes for the corner of their living room can see their way clear to coughing up for a ticket. So Dinky, don't miss out. Take it away, girls.
3: Gee, those squirrels look awful
8: sad, Lady Muriel. Don't they never smile? It's said all three had a terrible time during the war. Refugees, you know.
7: <laughs> Another bottle, Harold. Uh, this cognac really is uh, exceptional. Richard, you've had quite enough already.
0: Let me be the judge of that, dear. Say, uh, what's with the vaudeville, Trapsley? I didn't come all the way out here to Suffolk just to gawk at some cockamamie television show. Uh, b- b- bear with me, Mr.
7: Murchison. B- 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 its significance will become clear in June.
8: Take him to his room, Harold. Mr. Murchison, Herr Kessler, I must apologise on my husband's behalf. Dredgey often topples after a tipple. Be sozzled for several hours, I expect. Now, as to the matter you've come here to discuss, I gather you've yet to reach an agreement?
0: Uh, Lady Muriel, with all due respect, I'd prefer to wait until uh, Sir Reginald has gone to...
8: Perhaps pass. I ought to explain. You see, Reggie may believe he married a pea-brained debutante, but in truth, my husband seldom strays far beyond the confines of his fool's paradise.
1: During my parachute descent, Lady Muriel, I happened to witness a momentary break in the clouds through which I caught the briefest glimpse of some quite unexpected atmospheric coloration. Herr Kessler!
8: Before discretion sends you any further around the houses, simply say your piece and I will say mine.
1: Red in the sky.
8: Shepherd's pie.
1: Gliedige Frau, may I offer my wishes for Sir Reginald's speedy recovery and express my admiration for your forbearance?
8: Your, uh, past is showing here, Kessler. The belt keeping off the trousers of that dapper tweed suit of yours, it sports a rather distinctive buckle. SS, I believe.
0: A gift from from her Well, what do you know? The sentimental stormtrooper.
5: Oh, give the poor guy a break, Wendy.
6: I think it's sort of sweet. <laughs> ¶¶
11: The been the oh, pity's sake!
6: The <laughs> well, unmarry, so so yes!
11: yes.
5: Thank you very much, Mr. West! Come on, Joyce! Joyce! A fine kettle of fish, I must say. The church hall's locked up and no one seems to know who has the key.
9: Over there, that shop doorway.
5: Oh, what's the use? I'm soaked to the skin already. But this little nook has seen a good few knee tremblers. Joyce, please. Well, Peter's a man of the world, aren't you, Peter? putting a brave face on it is all very well but might I remind you that number 53 is right next door and we had no time to bring anything with us if the bomb goes off that's my entire livelihood up a...
8: Poppycock.
1: I, I beg your pardon, Lady Muriel.
8: Idiothene, pure poppycock, taradiddle, piffle. There is no such thing as a nerve gas that only kills communists.
1: Lady Muriel, I assure you...
8: Herr Kessler, please do not insult me. Reggie and Mr Murchison may have succumbed to wishful thinking, but some of us are perfectly capable, as our transatlantic cousins so trenchantly put it of distinguishing shit from Shinola. Now let's not beat about the bush. You're hoping to avenge your Fuhrer by setting west against east, while I should like nothing better than to see this confounded country of mine punished for its idiocy, throwing away the empire and condemning itself to shrivel pitifully in a descending spiral of socialism. So you see, Herr Kessler, your little secret is safe. And now I must go. A brief liaison was most enjoyable. But I shouldn't want to be keeping you up all night. Real stroke of luck,
5: these fellows happening along and giving us a lift in their lorry. (laughs) Three rousing cheers for the Polish Resettlement Corps.
9: I'm impressed with your grasp of the lingo.
5: I'll be. Out with a pole or two in my time, grand chaps, as are Yanks, Canucks, Kiwis, and Aussies, in my experience, which does have its limits. I hasten to add, in the light of that expression on your face,
9: it's merely a shadow cast by that storm. Out.
5: Oh, and six feet two inches. Beg pardon, my height. Your dismay didn't go unobserved. Men aren't mad keen on being towered over, as a rule.
9: Well, I dare say one could adjust.
5: No doubt you've also taken note of that butterfly tattoo on my shoulder and drawn certain less-than-edifying conclusions. Well, not only a tattoo, but muscles. Feel for yourself. Need a hand unscrewing that thermos? Oh,
9: Peter West, in the prime of his manhood, certainly. <clears throat> Not! Vodka toddy, anyone? Kay? You look as though you could do with a hefty total too. Chin up, old girl. Worst things happen at sea.
5: Expect they do. Where are we being taken? A little sporting entertainment, apparently.
9: Well, when in Rome?
5: Either that or rummage in the ruins in the rain to see if I can salvage my one and only pair of silk stockings.
9: Many thanks, comrades.
5: Apparently, if we mosey on over to that Nissen hut yonder and ask politely, someone might be kind enough to kit us out with dry duds. Can't guarantee they'll be natty, but gift horses and all that. Khaki trousers, sweaters, and clumping great boots. Oh, I was just like being back in the Land Army. Oh, don't remind me. Ah, <laughs> oh, the noble art of pugilism. I'd put my money on the dark-skinned chappie. Appears to be bashing seven bells out of that other fellow. Uh, and there we go, officer <laughs> knockout.
9: Well, I'll be...
5: Peter, are you telling me that's...
9: I'd know that bright hook anywhere. <laughs>
5: Miss Duquesne? Lady Muriel, I I couldn't sleep for thinking about poor Sir Reginald. Only I saw the very same thing happen to my pa. Oh,
8: he never woke up. Oh. Now, now, Miss Duquesne. There's really no need to concoct a pretext for this visit. We both know very well why you're here. All those coy little glances at the dinner table. Guess i no great shakes as an actress, huh? Au contraire. Your eyes spoke volumes. I was about to take a bath. Perhaps you'd care to join me? And uh, how long have you been uh, working for, Mr. Murchison? A couple of weeks is all. Met in the American Bar at the Savoy. You know how it is, Lady M. A girl's gotta live... And
5: I've known worse than Wendy. You see, now me, I'm more of an oyster kind of girl. But times get lean. I get hungry. And I can't afford to turn my nose up at a snail, if you know what I'm saying.
12: Peter, my good friend. It's been a long time, so you're an orphan of... Of sorts. Keeps the wolf from the door. And you, Byron, old chum. Staving off starvation
9: with your fists, I see. Oh, and meet Joyce and Kay. Ministering angels, they're both of
12: them. Unshanty.
9: There you go,
11: BB.
12: Minus my percentage. Mr. Sidney, what would I do without your shrewd management? So where next will Providence direct me?
11: Watford, two nights' time. Sergeant in the Transport Corps. Sodding great git, if you'll pardon me, Francais. But moves like a tortoise in treacle. Then now else lined up till next week. Why not grab yourself some sea air? Brighton, no a landlady. Bang on the front. Cosmopolitan, shall we say. Does a very nice plate of wooden pie and mutton rashes. Anyhow, B.B., pleased to meet your pals. Now I've got to nip off and see a
12: cheque about a cheque. Looks like all of you could use some shot eye
5: That nice chap in the Nissan hut said he could kit us out with American sleeping bags for a dollar apiece.
12: Here, Peter, never did settle that old porker debt. Many thanks, old fella.
9: Much appreciated. Crazy's Young. Darling Joyce chose that moment to burst into song. Oh,
5: please uh, shut up and let me go to sleep. Why did you have to choose my ventilation grill to hang
8: Apparently, around? Of those
9: two poles in the back of the truck were saying, We're planning to do the dirty on our Russian charts. Hmm. Twist their arms till they turn and trot off home. Hmm. Easier said than
12: done, not only that, but they're aiming to put Churchill back in the driving seat. A certain P. Wendell Murchison. Name rings makes- it. Fellow Truman kicked out to the State Department a while back for warmonger. Ah, yes. Big, bluff, Wallace Theory type.
9: Goes around in the cowboy head. Still like to keep up with the news, I see. Citizens' responsibility,
12: Peter. <laughs>
9: anyway, yeah. seems this Murchison had dinner last week with some top brass from the Polish government in exile. Brother of one of these chaps in the truck dished up the grub. Table talk was all about Nazi nerve gas that only killed communists. And pigs are like Spitfire. My <laughs> sentiments exactly, by an old John. Point is, there's a germ of a fairly decent thriller plot in there somewhere, and boy, do I need one. I was out of ideas till I heard those two poles nattering away. Alter ideas,
12: maybe. Alter luck. Joyston Kennedy. Maybe.
10: Oh, I'm head over heels. Don't ask me to choose.
9: You
5: flatter yourself, Peter okay. West. I'm
9: famished. Let's see if there's any breakfast. Morning, Joyce. Sleep well, I hope.
5: Why keep it to yourself that you know Polish?
9: Only a smattering. Picked it up, training Polish pilots on hurricanes. What of it?
5: Were you intending to share your scoop with us, as well as the flight sergeant? Scoop? That conversation you overheard in the truck while I was singing. Oh,
9: you sing beautifully.
5: Thank you, but that's entirely beside the point. Kay overheard you talking to Mr Bailey this morning outside the hut. Your voices woke her up. Dash it all. Peter? Poison gas. Although I fail to see how any gas could take one's politics into account. Yet who knows what horrors those filthy Nazis managed to concoct.
9: These days one hears a lot of Bills talking about setting the world to rights.
5: But don't you think it at least worth looking into, Peter? Frankly, no. Then you're not the man I thought you were.
9: <sighs> Joyce, wait. All right. I'll, uh I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll I'll take it to my publisher. Your
5: publisher? Uh, A
9: big fish among the hush-hush boys during the war. What say we let Sir Reginald Thrapsley weigh up the threat to world peace? In fact, I thought I might pitch it to Sir Reginald as a basis of my next chunk of deathless prose. I'll get on the blower.
5: Shouldn't think it very wise to be discussing these matters over the telephone.
9: I'll ask him in person.
5: Oh, righty-ho. Well, I'll leave you to it then. I should imagine time is of the essence in matters like this.
9: Oh, yes. Of
5: the essence. Oh, and Mr. West, there was a call for you yesterday. Very bad line. I couldn't catch
10: Hughes, I believe the name was.
9: Okay, thanks, Twiggy. Probably a creditor.
10: They did say they'd call again.
9: Well, be a pedant for them off, could you? If
7: you type this up in triplicate, please, Miss It's
9: Rather
0: urgent. Yes, Mr. Maitland.
9: Still so there is he, misery guts, Maitland. Thought Sir Reginald would have seen sense by now and promoted you to office manager. Anyway, Twiggy, better let you
12: go. Toodle pip.
5: Good morning, Flight Sergeant.
12: Hello, Miss Arm.
5: Marnum. K. Marnum.
12: Looking for Peter? Here i come no. now.
9: No doubt Joyce sent you for a progress report.
5: Joyce can get a little, um, carried away.
9: <laughs> well, maybe you ought to have kept Mum. And maybe you two
5: ought to have kept your voices down. Couldn't sleep a wink. And Mr. Bailey's pipe tobacco didn't help.
9: Apologies, Miss Marnell. Well, you can tell, Joyce, I spoke to the Reginald's secretary. He's up in Suffolk at Thrapsley Hall, his country retreat. It seems they're cut off by flooding, and the telephone lines are down. Anyway, I did my best.
8: I'm sure you did.
10: Women. What can you do, eh, Byron? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Flight Sergeant Bailey, good morning. Good morning, Captain. Last night the men had high hopes for our unit champion. It was not meant to be... You fought and won fair and square, flight sergeant, justifying the reputation that preceded you. Uh, permit me to apologize for the uh, ungallant contact of certain elements in the camp. I've been given rougher rides, funny tingskin. skin. A trifle early in the day, perhaps, but I should be honoured if you and your colleague would join me in a drink, Mr... Peter West. Not by any chance the author of Save Me Your Last Bullet, Baby, and Lipstick on My Knuckles. Guilty as charged. Then I am doubly honoured. Please, gentlemen, take a seat. I see you are intrigued by my choice of wall decoration. It's quite a collection of articles and photographs. A small hobby of mine. Air crash investigation. One air crash in particular, it would seem. You know of Colonel Krasovsky? Yes, the diplomat. Tragic accident. A sad lust to pour To the world. An accident, perhaps, although with many questions unanswered. A voice silenced, all too conveniently for those who do not wish to hear. But, gentlemen, the occasion calls for somewhat lighter topics, no? Nastrovia. To your good health, Captain. Down the hatch. So tell me, Mr. West, your next book. What dastardly new plot will your detective hero struggle valiantly to foil? Well, let's just say he stumbles upon a sinister international conspiracy.
9: Conspiracy? Of what nature? A plot to uh, to drive the Red Army out of Poland.
10: But the Allies would be vastly outnumbered on the battlefield.
9: Nazi nerve gas.
10: Only kills communists. Yes, I know. Laughably far-fetched. I see the weather has improved somewhat, although I do not recall witnessing one of those picturesque sunsets which bodes well for the following day, according to your proverb. Uh, uh, red, in the you sky. mean
9: red sky at night, shepherd's
10: delight? Red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. Gentlemen, all six chambers are loaded, and I came joint seventh in the Polish National Pistol Shooting Championship of 1938. I would therefore strongly advise you to remain seated.
5: I'd scoot up there to Suffolk myself, only it's bound to carry more weight coming from Peter. Joyce, don't you think you're taking this just a smidge too seriously? And anyway, I told you, they're cut off by flooding. You didn't see the duck out there? I don't recall spotting any wildlife. D-U-K-W, silly amphibious trap. Hello? Oh, something's afoot. A soldier with a Sten gun's just gone in that hut over there. And another one's coming this way. You answer it, Kay. I'll hide behind this curtain. But go on. No time to argue.
12: You uh, arrest. Come. Me with now. Prefer
5: not to, old chum. Kay, open that cupboard. We'll dump him in. Here, grab his gun. Joyce, have you taken leave of your sex suit? come to yours. Wouldn't surprise me if they're holding Peter and the flight sergeant. As my form tutor Miss Witchert used to say, there are times when one must grasp the bull firmly by the horns. Hope we shan't be needing to back up our argument with bullets, but one never knows. Don't be absurd. This is Tring, not (laughs) Tobruk.
2: Filthy 47, an audio serial in four parts, part two. Here is the story so far, and this is Danvers Nettelfold narrating. England, 1947. Former land girls Joyce and Kay have stumbled onto a sinister plot to plunge the world back into war. Together with two recent acquaintances, pilot-turned-pulp-author Peter West and his old comrade Flight Sergeant Byron Bailey, our intrepid heroines have got themselves into a serious spot of bother at a Polish resettlement camp somewhere in deepest Hertfordshire.
9: Well, Captain, finding myself and Byron on the business end of your service revolver would seem to suggest a rather serious case of cross wires. So, you're still
10: refusing to explain the meaning of this? Apologies, Mr. West, but events have taken an unexpected turn, and certain precautions are necessary.
5: Well, come on, the pair of you. Don't just stand there staring. Get in. Haven't you ever seen a duck truck before? <laughs> <sighs> oh, for one nasty moment back there, Peter, I thought I was going to leave that Nissen hut flat as a pancake with you and Mister Bailey still inside. Oh, hello!
9: Looks like we have an uninvited passenger. So you, you thought you'd come along for the ride too, Captain? Theft
10: of a vehicle. Is a serious matter. All six chambers are loaded.
12: Your own words, Captain. Now keep your hand where I can see them. Quick,
10: let's get out of here before they realise what's going on. Okay, you're as right. What
6: well can be expected? This is madness.
5: So it's jam the torpedoes and full speed ahead. Please
10: listen to me. You are making a foolish mistake. Well, that remains to be seen.
5: Next stop, Suffolk. Someone care to come up here and navigate? <laughs> Well, there's a textbook case of using confusion to make good ones escape. Now we've put a fair few miles behind us, Peter, do you think we might stop for a moment? Nature's calling rather urgently.
9: Up there, that little farm track running behind those trees.
5: OK, shall be a jiff. Coming, Kate.
9: You're welcome to get out and stretch your legs, Captain. We've still got quite a few miles ahead of us.
10: I take it there is no point in inquiring as to our destination. I'd just enjoy the scenery if I were you. Mr. West, you do know there will be another war regardless. Unless communism is stamped out once and for all. Funny how there's always something else
9: that needs stamping out. Haven't enough lives been lost already? Ghastly business war. Let's hope the world's finally learned its lesson.
5: Ah, <sighs> blessed relief. Anyway... I suppose we'd better get weaving soon if we're to nip this in the bud. Joyce, I do believe you're actually enjoying this. Yes, I am rather. At least the Soviets let everyone have a crack at the enemy. Never really got the chance to do my bit in the recent unpleasantness. Closest I came to firing a shot in anger was when that naval chappie took me on a tour of his frigate and let me loose off a burst from his Lanchester. Quite fancied the idea of helping set Europe ablaze. Mooching around occupied France, ambushing the odd armoured car, running jerry-ragged. Too tall, they said, wouldn't last five minutes as a spy. Never blend into a crowd, go back to mucking out cows and driving tractors at the bloody cheek. Sometimes I think you'd rather have been a boy. Lord, no, I'm quite happy with my place in the sexual scheme of things. Kate, do you think... Do you think Peter finds me overbearing? (laughs) I'd be more concerned about the mess we're in. The sooner we can leave it in the hands of the authorities, the better. Rather a letdown having to retire to the (laughs) sidelines. Speak for yourself. The sidelines would suit me perfectly. Sure you wouldn't like a turn behind the wheel, Peter?
9: You're doing fine.
5: Thank you. Water, water everywhere.
9: Well, at least it's no longer falling out of the sky.
5: How much further, I wonder?
9: There, on the horizon. See it? Thrapsley Mound. Mound. The second tallest hill in Suffolk, county not exactly famed for its undulation.
5: Hello, seems one of your fellow pilots has engine trouble.
9: Amphibian. Sea otter, by the way. Plenty of places to set her down with all this flooding.
5: Appears to be heading towards Thrapsley.
9: Well, here we are Thrapsley village.
5: A oh, pretty little place. Not so sure about Thrapsley Hall, though. Up there on the mound, looks like Dracula's castle. And there, down by the river, isn't that the aircraft we saw earlier?
9: Hmm. Good to see they got down safely.
5: Pilot and two, oh, three passengers, all female, being collected in a handsome bottle green shooting brake by two footmen bedecked in a splendidly antiquated livery. Curious, I'm curious. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the view from the Threpsley Mound. It's a pretty desolate neck of the woods.
9: Although it does look like the floodwaters are beginning to drain away. How are things back there? Enjoying the excursion?
5: Oh, immensely. If only I'd brought along my sketchbook... Well, well, here comes one of those fancy footmen.
9: Oh, hi there. Peter West to see Sir Reginald. On what business may I ask, sir? What's your name? Harold, sir. Well, Harold, please tell Sir Reginald it's confidential of some urgency.
5: Okay. Think you're all right. but Peter, she's fainted.
8: Since my husband is at present indisposed, if you would care to take me into your confidence...
10: Madame, this is all the
9: fault of foolish rumors. Some of us have reason to believe they may be more than just rumours, Lady Muriel.
8: Damn good reason. Well, while you assess the risk of unburdening yourselves, please accept my hospitality. I'm sure a chance to freshen up and a bite to eat. That can wait. Can't say I have much appetite for grub with all this international
5: skullduggery unfolding as we speak.
10: Might we talk in private? Madam.
5: No dice. No telling what kind of yarn the captain here might try and spin behind closed doors, seeing as he's in on this filthy scheme to start another war.
8: Are you, by any chance, referring to an alleged plot to restore Mr Churchill to power and forestall further Soviet
9: aggression? Er, well, as a matter of fact...
8: You see, Reggie and his colleagues in the intelligence services have for some time now been monitoring a variety of rumours, the most persistent of which concerns a secret nerve gas, supposedly developed by the Third Reich.
9: Nerve gas? Kills
8: only communists, so they say. Sheer Tommy Rot, of course. It seems certain parties have been making it their business to cause mischief. Have us all tilting at windmills, as it were. I assume it's rumours of this kind you are alluding to, Captain.
10: Yes, I detain these people on suspicion of spreading these cruel rumours. Poisoning my men's minds with false hope. Men who pray every day to see their homeland freed.
8: Now wait a minute! Well, it does seem the rumourmongers have succeeded in sowing distrust in some quarters. But perhaps we might review the situation once you're... Rested and refreshed?
9: In the meantime, it might be as well if we kept the captain here
10: under lock and key. You'll indulge us, Captain? I will by all means comply with this charade in order to expedite the return of sanity. So you're awake. Hello, Kay.
11: How long has it been?
8: Ah, my brother, the fascist. Mother
5: and father were mortified.
11: And little sis?
5: Me too. Once I learned what fascism was... And please don't call me little sis.
11: Apologies, not so little sis.
5: So, Harold, you spent the war here and not in Germany. All that talk about volunteering to fight for the other side. Mother always said that's what really finished father off.
11: The thought that his own son was... rubbish and you know it, Kay. It was communists father hated. Communists and... What's the use? You wouldn't understand. I have
5: nothing more to say to you. Harold, please be gone when I open my eyes again.
11: You and your friends, you should never have come here. Get yourselves away, if it's not already too late.
12: Well, Byron, old chum, what do you think? Seems the captain's guilty of exaggeration. Said our six chambers were loaded. Trione. Well, at least thus far, they've
9: made no attempt to disarm us. In the literal sense, that is. Ah, Joyce, that's Kay.
5: Still dead to the world when I left her. Probably be right as rain before long. All a bit much for her, I expect. But hadn't we better keep our voices down? How do we know they haven't put listening devices in the walls of all the guest rooms? Look here, Peter, this whole business stinks to high heaven. And I'm sure you two didn't fall for all that hogwash. This lady, what's her name, might as well have been wearing a cloak and clutching a dagger.
9: Well, if Lady Muriel's not telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but. And what exactly do you propose to do about it?
5: Biggles wouldn't stand there looking stumped.
9: Where's the sten?
5: Weapon, NVA. Oh, it's safely hidden away. No doubt her ladyship thinks she's pulling the wool over our eyes by not behaving like the Sheriff of Tombstone and insisting we surrender our shooting irons. So, anyway, Peter, what's the plan?
9: Let's not rush into anything. Careful thoughts required. Life being stranger than fiction, there does remain the possibility, however faint, that we're barking up the wrong tree
5: intuition peter i'm asking you to trust mine oh, just
9: stay in your room for now oh looks like i may have landed us from the frying pan into the fire sorry byron
12: old friend what was it the man said fit cars the tune we dance <laughs>
5: How is Sleeping Beauty? Seriously, though, Kay, you did have us a little concerned. Just fatigue, I expect. I'll pass around my apologies. Next time I'll give you fair warning before fainting. Did you see Peter's publisher? Sir Reginald's unwell or something. We spoke to his wife, Lady Muriel. Bit too Dornford Yates for my liking. Makes Judith Anderson look like Judy Garland. Seems to know a suspicious amount about this whole business. Claims it's just rumour-mongering. All pretty rum, if you ask me. Why are you burrowing under the bed? Oh, dear Lord, I might have known that ugly thing. May need all the firepower we can muster before the night's out. Talk about a nest of vipers. Joyce, for heaven's sake, you can hardly go waltzing around here armed to the teeth like some mountain brigand. Please put down that stem gun and see sense. Sten, silly, with an N. Well, how would I know? I'm an artiste, not an armourer. Play our cards close to our chest, you mean? Box clever. Quite right, Kay. Back under the bed with it for now, I suppose. Anyway, I'm off for a nose around. See how the land lies. Cheerio!
6: (laughs)
8: Mr Jenks, please bear in mind that those three gals are due to perform at Windsor Castle tomorrow. We
2: were on our way out when the engine conked out, man. And you
8: just happened to be in this vicinity? How fortuitous. One might almost suspect that my husband had arranged a little demonstration of your modus operandi, having first introduced you to our guests by the miracle of television. Reggie has a keen sense of theatre and will go to the most extraordinary lengths to parade his panache. However, he knew I'd consider it a foolish indulgence, hence the alibi of engine trouble. And if it really was a mechanical fault, then you'd better see to it there's no chance of it happening again. Oh yes, and when you've accomplished your mission, you should no longer consider this friendly territory. Ma'am,
2: it'll be the last anyone will ever hear of Jehoshaphat J. am
8: counting the hours. Now, as to our present predicament, i put the newcomers in the north wing. Mr Murchison and Herr Kessler are tucked away in the south, and never the twain. It's all really rather comic opera. They have with them a Polish officer who had attempted to detain them on suspicion of knowing too much. There's
2: an easy way of finding out if he's Plan legit. they not that
8: stupid, Mr Jenks. Contorting the conversation to encompass red skies and shepherd's pies could hardly fail to set a long bell's As the magistrate wings.
2: said to the usherette, it's all a matter of subtlety. Choosing the appropriate moment and sliding it in gently. You took their weapons, of course.
8: That would scarcely have allayed their suspicions. I'm
2: not suspicions. doubting your power of persuasion, Mum, but I don't see how we can risk sending this lot on their merry way.
8: May I remind you that this is not.
2: Nor is it some parlour game, ma'am. Wouldn't say Sir Reginald would be overjoyed to find himself playing host to a hoyden with a superstructure like a Scharnhorst, if you get the slant of my drift. Packing a sting gun and asking awkward questions.
8: The slant of your drift, Mr. Jenks, I find distinctly objectionable. (laughs) Please explain your puerile implication that the ripeness of the girl's breast is a relevant factor. In future, spare me the crass music hall patter. And I do hope you're not accusing me of seeking to amuse myself by toying with Mr West and his friends.
5: Damn place is like a maze. Wonder where this door leads. Oh, gosh! Uh, terribly sorry to disturb you and all that, but um, I seem to have lost my bearings. Wrong room, obviously.
1: I'm afraid if you are seeking directions, I would be of little hope.
5: You were guest too, then?
1: I am, uh, the confidential secretary to the cultural attache for Switzerland. I am here to discuss intergovernmental relations.
5: Swiss, eh? Well, it so happens I've a bone to pick with you fellows. What was the idea of sitting pretty in the middle of Europe, yodeling and chomping on your chocolate bars, with that quartet of horrid horsemen whipping up merry hell all over the show? Apologies,
1: that Miss, but I'm not at liberty to discuss diplomatic policy. You
5: know, that nasty neighbour of yours with the Charlie Chaplin smut under his nose would have gobbled you up sooner or later.
1: And you are?
5: Name's Joyce. <coughs> Pleased to meet you, you, SS belt buckle, eh? You're no Swiss cheese, you're a blasted bosh! <laughs>
1: got these English women.
8: Herr Kessler, I must confess to feeling a certain frisson. Being summoned to a guest room with a cryptic message. We might be on the Riviera.
1: Apologies, Lady Muriel, but the situation demanded swift action. No need
8: to explain. I understand. The sap rises and wasn't it Socrates who likened it to being chained to a madman? Now, since I generally eschew undergarments, our sole impediment would appear to be those Oxford bags of yours. So if you'd like to un- unbe- And what is that?
1: An intruder. I rendered her insensible, bound her hand and foot and rolled her up in the large Chinese rug, since presumably she will need to be transported elsewhere for confinement. The Fräulein wandered in here and almost immediately became suspicious. Who is she?
8: Unusually tall by any chance? You know her? Yes, that one had trouble written all over her. One of a party of unexpected visitors. The matter is being dealt with. Herr Kessler, I cannot understand why you allow filial sentiment to get the better of you with regard to that belt. I do appreciate that a buckle of such generous dimensions probably houses a concealed firearm that might one day stand you in good defensive stead. Yet you ought at least to have chiselled off that incriminating insignia. Or... Is it crucial to your libido? If
1: you call, Madame, you yourself requested that I keep yes, it on. Yes, yes, never mind we... that
8: now. As for the girl, let's see how she enjoys waking up in the coal cellar.
11: Mr. West, Flight Sergeant Bailey, you are cordially invited to the ballroom where
9: refreshments have been made available. Thanks. Um, Harold, isn't it? Yes, sir. May as well bring along the captain. Mustn't forget the Geneva Convention. Imagine he's feeling peckish by now. Tell me, Harold, am I right in thinking that chap over there nibbling on a cocktail sausage is none other than Jehoshaphat Jenks, the radio
11: comedian? It is, sir. Sir Reginald and Lady Muriel are in the habit of entertaining a wide variety of guests. And those three young ladies, I'll hazard the guess they're triplets. The Dinky Don'ts. Ah, the musical trio. And they're here to perform. I imagine so, sir. How do? Just a job for the weary traveller, eh? Jinx is a name, Jolly is a game.
2: And how's our colonial chum? Not too cold for you, actually, I hope. Whoops. Oh, sorry. I'll just squeeze by you there. Very mawry sees cocktail sausages, eh, Captain? Widow's memories, as the dear old BBC won't let me call them. Re- recollections of widows?
10: I do not see the connection... Ah, uh, yes. Uh, the bawdy English humour, as characteristic of your nation, as your preoccupation with discussing the weather... Oh, I think you don't know. When will we be
2: getting the decent weather we deserve, eh? What happens to them glorious English sunsets? How's it go? Red in the sky? Shepherd's pie! Here! The Polish pals peaks be punishing
9: punchline! Hear that, Byron? Must be their recognition phrase. I wonder who thought it up. Stan Laurel? Ah, kay! Up and about again... Bearing up, hmm? Like some tea? I'll be mother. Joyce brought her up to date.
5: I thought she'd be back by now. She went to look around.
9: I told her not to leave her room.
5: You expected her to listen.
9: Well, you don't know Joyce at all. Lady Muriel, hello again.
8: Good evening, Mr West. And Flight Sergeant Bailey. I see you're admiring the portrait of my illustrious ancestor.
12: George Plantagenet. Duke of Clarence, if I am not mistaken.
8: You evince an impressive knowledge of English history, Flight
12: Sergeant. Random snippets gleaned on tedious train journeys. Magazines leafed through during idle moments, including a rather lengthy article about that fellow up there. Apparently, him of descendants who claim to be England's true royalty.
8: Yes, some of us certainly do feel uh, cheated, shall we say. I'd be delighted to discuss the matter in detail at some more convenient juncture. But for now, if you'd all please excuse me.
2: And now, ladies and gents, in appreciation of the generous hospitality furnished by a distinguished hostess, I give you the three and only dinky don'ts.
9: No slouch in the soft shoe shuffled club huh, now, Mr James.
6: Yes.
8: Say I'm in the mood for light entertainment.
7: Ah, mine host.
8: Reggie, darling, are you sure it's wise to be out of bed so soon?
7: I appreciate your concern, Muriel, but I'm perfectly capable of deciding that for myself.
8: So you see, Reggie, the matter's been dealt with. Merely an unfortunate misunderstanding. Sir
9: Reginald, I feel I owe you and your good lady wife an apology.
7: Not at all, West. Not at all. And you, Flight Sergeant, a pleasure to make your acquaintance. Now, if you'll please excuse me, I've some rather pressing business to attend to. Well, Byron, old what gives?
12: I know that expression. Glimpsed a curious sight through the window just now. Two footmen carrying a rolled-up carpet across the courtyard. Dumped it through the doors of what looks like a coal cellar. The carpet was wriggling like a snake. Very large. Very angry. Joyce! So that's the score. I'm going down there. Then you'd better tear. What is it? I was about to give you the captain's revolver, but it gone. Seems we have a pickpocket in our midst. Jenks, I'll bet. Never did take to him on the wireless. Always seemed a bit of a smarmy Herbert.
5: But what about Joyce?
12: If you'd care to kick up a diversion by an old man, I'll slip off. Miss Marna, when I leave the room, tell them you train as a nurse, then follow me out. I don't understand. You will. Oi! Oh, God, lad. Jeez,
7: aye! I... No! Everything all right over there, Flight Sergeant? Miss Stomach!
9: Aye! Miss Sari! Oi!
12: My word.
2: Oh. Porcha. poor not Looks like good solid English grabs wasted on some.
9: i for
5: some nursing training. Excuse
9: me. Yes, it's a coal cellar, all right. Joyce! Oh, Joyce! Oh. Ah.
5: I think they suspect a ruse.
12: I'm sure they do.
5: Joyce didn't take the sten gun. She hid it.
12: I wish she hide it.
5: Here, under the bed. It's damn, it's gone. Must have had the room searched. What do we do now?
12: You stay here. Push some furniture against the door. When I return, I'll knock twice, then twice again.
5: I'm coming with you.
12: Unarmed combat? Any training?
5: I can scratch and pull hair. Saw a film once. Man told the woman to lock herself in her room, said he'd come back and never did.
12: I promise.
5: He promised too.
12: (laughs) Here, take this.
5: No, thank you. Hardly the time to be sampling the delights of pipe tobacco. I would have thought.
12: It fires a pint two-two bullet. Triggers there. Where the stem meet the ball. Now take it. Can you shoot?
5: Me? Oh, yes. I'm a regular Annie Oakley. Kay? Kay, I have some news. It's about your friends. One of the footmen. My brother, Harold.
12: Your brother?
9: Yes.
5: Outrageous coincidence.
12: All right. Let him in.
2: Excuse me, missy. Where's Bailey?
5: What do you mean? Barging in like the Gestapo? Not
2: really, Paulie, is he? Has he gone to ground in here? Probably a sneaky native trick to get you on your own with it.
5: Excuse me, Mr Jenks, but I think you'll find we are the natives. And Mr Bailey very kindly came over here to help us fight our war. Beyond that, I haven't the faintest idea what you're talking about.
2: Wondering who took your bang-bang off your boy? Well, come in, then, take it back, I dare you. I was in the last war, you know. Saw a bloke shot in the Dardanelles. Oh, painful. And that's just where you'll be getting one, if you don't come out and... Oh, uh... <laughs>
12: Quick, help me get this wardrobe in front of the door.
5: Jenks, and that thump. But they'll be back, won't they?
12: And in fast.
5: That means we're trapped.
12: The window. Help me knot together these sheets.
5: But it's a sheer drop. Makes me dizzy just to look at it. And well, isn't it where they'll be expecting us to go?
12: The sheets are a decoy. We'll make for that uh, other window above. See the seal up there? We'll climb the drain pipe.
5: What? That rusty old thing.
12: Ivy should help.
5: Doesn't look strong enough. Exactly.
12: Just what they'll think. Now, quickly.
5: I have an aversion to heights. And I have one to
12: be in shut. (coughs)
6: Joyce?
12: Joyce, thank heavens.
9: Now let's see about getting one tied.
5: Oh, Peter! Peter, are you all right? Oh, so they got you as well.
9: Never mind me. How about you?
5: They made the stupid mistake of chucking me down here in the coal hole, wrapped up in this rug. Cushioned my fall a real treat.
9: Mm, Cushioned mine too. Sorry about that. (laughs) Blasted footman sneaked up on me with a yard broom. Should have kept my wits about me.
5: Knew she was up to no good, Lady Muck. About as trustworthy as Todd Slaughter, her and that filthy Nazi chum of hers. Nazi? Masquerading as a Swiss scuttled by a sentimental attachment to his Schuttstaffel belt.
9: Look here, Joyce. I'm sorry for getting us all into this fix.
5: My fault as much as yours, trying to be Harriet Vane. Oh, Hope Kay's all right. And the flight sergeant, Grandfellow, sure to lead those blighters a merry dance. Now, let's see about getting out. Pile up enough coal and maybe one of us can reach those doors up there. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> I...
10: oh. It's no good.
5: We'll never. Climb up me. Use me as your ladder. Oh. oh. Ow! Oh! Apologies. Forgiven. Here, I've made a stirrup with my hands. Scramble up as far as you can. Or stand on my head if need be. Don't be silly. At no time for squeamishness. Now, what about if I grab hold of your ankles and lift you like oh. so. Now, stretch! Uh. Uh.
8: It's no good choice.
5: It won't work. That's defeatist talk. Where's the spirit that nobbled the Luftwaffe? Peter, do you think we'll ever get out?
9: Well, there's um, life, there's uh, hope. Peter. Hmm?
5: I know I'm as tall as a giraffe, and... And annoyingly talkative to boot, and, well, not to put too fine a point to it, I haven't had time for a proper wash since we got here. All in all, I expect I wouldn't be your first choice of cellmate. On the contrary. Do you really mean that? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, at moments like this, it's important to... Well, to maintain one's morale. Don't you agree?
9: Uh, morale, yes.
5: Peter, I'm going to take a gamble. A gamble? I could tell from your writing you're the kind of cove who appreciates unadorned frankness, and, well, one seldom gets anywhere unless one is forthright.
11: Forthright, yes.
5: Far from ideal conditions for it, mark you, but my morale, and yours too, I suspect, would benefit enormously if we were to, uh, take advantage of the privacy in the, uh, in the time-honoured manner. So to speak. If uh, if you see what I'm driving at. I've shocked you, Peter. I'm sorry.
9: Uh, no, no. One just doesn't expect...
5: A female to be so forward? Well, this is 1947. Now, don't tell me the author of Sin With Me In The Shadows doesn't know his way around a woman.
12: Come on, Miss Marnum, Keep climbing.
5: Believe me, Mr. Bailey, I'm doing my best.
12: Just try not to look down.
5: Easier said than done. It's like dreadful compulsion. I keep thinking of a couple of friends of my parents. Mr. and Mrs. Pond, or Bond, or... I-, I can't remember which. Killed in a climbing accident. Switzerland, I think. Oh. Oh, was it the French Alves?
12: Anyway, awful business. There. Now, scramble upon the window, sill.
5: And if the window is locked...
10: We'll break the glass.
5: Oh, no, we won't. It's bricked up.
12: <sighs> the window attacks. Remiss of me. Should have thought of that before asking you to...
5: No need to be so hard on yourself. I didn't think of it either. And By the way, Mr Bailey, how did you end up owning a tobacco pipe that fires bullets?
12: Perks of the job.
5: Job? You're not just a prize fighter, are you, Mr Bailey?
12: Moonlighting to make ends meet. Now, I'm afraid, Miss Manam, it'll have to be onward and upward. Remember not to look down. Jamaica, make
5: it nice. I'm sure it must be. Plenty of lovely sunshine, I expect for me. That is, with an L as opposed to, sorry, I'm babbling, you must think I'm an awful ninny.
12: Not in the least.
5: The drain pipe! feels like it's sir.
12: grab the grab hold of the ivy!
5: But it'll never support. It's coming loose the drain pipe.
6: Ah! No, 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 Mr. Bailey! My God! He's fallen! Oh, dear God, No!
4: And that's this week's show. Please check out the show notes for Filthy 47 from our website at sonicsociety.org. Go and finish off the miniseries and let them know how much you've enjoyed their show. From Jack and myself and all of us here at the Sonic Society, please be safe until we see you here next week. Well, uh, me anyway, as Jack is headed down for an interview at Sonic Speaks. I'm David Alt, And I'm Jack Ward. See
3: you in a moment, folks. <laughs>